Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you this morning, and we're thankful to share time on this program with Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church and Elder Joe Nettles. And we'd invite you to come and worship with us at Macedonia Church in Ackerman, Mississippi, or Sulphur Springs Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And then also we have a joint meeting in Starkville, Mississippi, at 6 p.m., located at the New Covenant Church on 200 West Garrett Road. And we would love to to have you come out and worship with us. Love to meet you. If you have any questions or you just listen, we'd love for you to contact us. You can email us. You can write us if you want to write through postal mail. You can find that on the website gospel-of-grace.com and you can find our contact information and other past messages and a church that may be close to you and also you can find good content and a summary of these radio messages at least the the ones that I've delivered at macedonia-pbc.org so we hope that those websites can be edifying for you this morning we want to continue our consideration of Jesus Christ in the law And we want to focus on the feast this morning. There are various feasts in the Old Testament that are pointing toward various aspects of Jesus's life, both his first coming and his second coming. And we want to consider those together. And we certainly hope that this will be edifying and profitable for you this morning. Please stay tuned and we'll consider those verses together right after this song.
morning and welcome again to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. We've been considering Jesus Christ and the law, and last time we considered the various feasts that are given us in the Mosaic Law, focusing primarily on the Passover that leads into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So we want to give you a brief overview of those overall feasts, and this morning we'd like to focus on the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Pentecost, and then also the Feast of Firstfruits. So in Leviticus chapter 23, you have a description of seven feasts, seven holy days. Two of them are more offerings, and five are described as feasts. First of all, you have Passover, the offering of Passover. Then you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You have the Feast of Firstfruits. You have the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Pentecost. Then in the fall, you have the Feast of Trumpets. You have the offering of the Day of Atonement. And then seventh, you have the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Ingathering. So you have four of these holy days in the spring, three of them in the fall, and we've talked about Passover and uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and we will consider this morning the final two holy days or feast of the spring festival season, and you have three feasts that are in the fall festival season. So typically, typically the Feast of First Fruits would be closely associated with the Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover. If you remember the first Jewish month, the month of Nisan, would be the equivalent of what we would know as March to April, kind of mid-March to mid-April. So that is the time where they would have their first harvest, the first beginnings of their harvest, those early first fruits, right? They would come sometime during that period. And obviously, the Feast of First Fruits would be dependent upon when the first fruits came, right? It was not necessarily observed on an exact day of the month because it is dependent upon the first fruits of the harvest actually being there, right? So it did not have an exact date in which it was observed, but typically the Feast of First Fruits would be closely associated with Passover and with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And I'll just go ahead and kind of skip to the end, if you will. Uh, Jesus Christ is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that his resurrection is described as being the first fruits of them that slept. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20 says, Now Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. So the feast of first fruits is pointing toward the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, again, in a typical Jewish observance of the feast of first fruits, it was not a given day necessarily because it was dependent upon the actual harvest coming. But if you'll bear with me a little bit, I think that we can make some sound assumptions, if you you will, uh, that the Passover, the 14th day, was when Jesus was crucified, clearly pointing toward the sacrifice that Jesus made as the Lamb of God, his shed blood being offered on our behalf, right? It's my belief that Jesus was crucified on a Wednesday. The reason that I say that is because of the prophecy that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 12, that the sign that would be given to this generation and the sign that would be given to all generations to come to prove that he was the Son of God, the sign that he said that he would provide to prove his deity 
Jesus told them, the scribes and the Pharisees there, that saw a sign. Master, we would seek a sign. This is in Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 38. And then in verse 39, And even when an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And I take that to mean that Jesus means what he says. It could be an allegory. I, I readily admit, for those that would not agree with that, that he does go on to describe some allegorical language that the men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment and the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment. Well, obviously those were not physical people that were resurrected. He was speaking metaphorically or allegorically, but at least in my belief, and it's just that, so take it for what it is, it doesn't make sense to me for Jesus to say three days and three nights unless he means three days and three nights. So, for that reason, I believe that Jesus was most likely crucified on a Wednesday, that Wednesday was the 14th day of the first month of the Passover, and then you have a full 72 hours in the grave, and I believe he was resurrected at the crest of the beginning of the first day, because technically Sunday did not begin in the morning. Sunday began at sunset on what we would know as Saturday. So I believe Jesus was resurrected at the crest of sunset at the end of Saturday, which would equate to Saturday at 6 p.m., and at the beginning of the first day of the week, which actually began later in the evening on Saturday. So that's my belief, and you can study that out and uh, decide for yourself how you feel about that. But if that's the case, if that's the case, if Jesus was crucified on a Wednesday, that he was a full three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, and he was a full 72 hours in the grave, then that would mean that Sunday would be the 18th day of that month. Now again, the first fruits were not offered on a set day of the month, but they were offered in close conjunction with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And regardless of what day that falls on, and I would tend to think it would fall on the 18th day of the month, if the common Christian tradition is true that Jesus was crucified on Friday, that would make it the 16th day of the month. And it's not really relevant uh, what day he was crucified or what day the first fruits was on, if you will. The only thing that matters is that Jesus Christ was resurrected. Praise God for that. But whatever day that falls on, I would tend to lean toward maybe the 18th day of the month supporting a Wednesday crucifixion. I believe that at least in that exact year, <laughs> In that exact year, I believe that the Feast of the First Fruits fell on that Sunday that Jesus was resurrected, right? Now, I don't have any Bible to say that, but it just makes sense, doesn't it? Clearly, the Feast of First Fruits is pointing toward the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And just as Jesus was crucified on the Passover, I believe that that exact year that Jesus gave up his life for his elect, I believe that on that exact year, the Feast of First Fruits was on the first day of the week 
because Jesus Christ was the first fruits of the resurrection. So that's food for thought, and you can meditate on that yourself and study that out and reach your own conclusions. And I would say this is kind of my disclaimer for everything I say here, not just on the gospel of grace, but in all my sermons. I would say, along with the Apostle Paul, consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things, right? So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20. For now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, and by man came also the resurrection of the dead, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man is on order, Christ the firstfruits, and afterward they that are Christ at his coming. So why do we have a hope of the resurrection that at Jesus' second coming that we will be resurrected. Why do we have a hope of the resurrection? It's because Jesus Christ was resurrected, right? The reason why we have a hope of the whole harvest of the entire elect family of God being resurrected at the last day, which by the way, not just the elect are going to be resurrected, everybody's going to be resurrected. Now, even the wicked are going to be resurrected and they all have eternal souls too, and they're going to be sent to eternal judgment when God divides the sheep from the goats. So everyone is going to be resurrected. But the reason why we have the hope of a resurrection of life, okay, there's going to be some people that are resurrected not unto life. They're going to be resurrected unto judgment. They're going to be resurrected unto the second death. But the reason why we have the hope of a resurrection of life is because Jesus Christ as the first fruits was resurrected and that offering was received before God, right? The idea of the, of the offering of the first fruits was that if God accepted the offering of the first fruits, then that certified his blessing upon the rest of the harvest, right? And that is the hope that we have of the resurrection, that since Jesus Christ was resurrected and he's the first fruits of them that slept, he's the first fruits of the resurrection because God accepted the first fruit resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's why we believe that the whole harvest of all of God's children will be resurrected at his second coming, right? And that's the reason that we have the hope of the resurrection. And that's the reason that we don't sorrow as others that have no hope is because Christ was resurrected as our first fruit offering, that God accepted that first fruit offering, and we have a hope that we will be resurrected at the last time, again, because God accepted the offering of the first First fruits of Christ's resurrection. So, from the feast of first fruits, okay, from the feast of first fruits, seven weeks were counted, seven weeks, seven Sabbaths, and then on the 50th day, you have seven Sabbaths, and then the next day is the 50th day. So, 50 days after the offering of the first fruits was when the Jews were commanded to observe the feast of weeks or, as we know it more in the New Testament, the Feast of Pentecost. The word Pentecost literally means 50, right? So it's 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think about this. In the first century, on the year that Jesus died for our sins, I believe we can safely assume that the offering of the first fruits was on the first day of the week that Jesus was resurrected, right? So then you have seven weeks, right? Seven weeks. And then on the 50th day, there was Pentecost. Well, What's 50 days from the first day of the week? You arrive back at another Sunday, right? You arrive back at the first day of the week. 
So think about this. Jesus was resurrected on the first day of the week. Then he spent 40 days ministering to the disciples before his ascension, right? Then he goes back up into heaven. He tells them to wait on the Holy Ghost, wait on the baptism by fire of the Holy Ghost that would come. And then it's on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Ghost is manifest in a powerful way. So there was a 10-day period. There in Acts chapter 1, Jesus went up to heaven. He taught them for 40 days. Pentecost is 50 days after the first fruits. So they had to wait for 10 days. Now, he told them to wait. He didn't tell them it was going to be 10 days, which, by the way, this is a lot bigger lesson on waiting on the will of God and waiting on God's timing. He told them to wait. Well, they really didn't have to wait that long in the big scheme of things, right? They only had to wait 10 days. Sometimes God tells us to wait, and it's a little bit longer. But when God tells us to wait, he does not always give us a timetable of whenever everything's going to come. In other words, what he told them beforehand is that you just wait and when the Holy Ghost shows up, you're going to know it. (laughs) And boy, they knew it on the day of Pentecost. And, you know, that's how the Lord tells us to walk by faith a lot of times too, right? Tell, he tells us to wait, and whenever the time comes, you'll know it. But we're not always guaranteed to only have to wait 10 days, right? <laughs> Sometimes we've got to wait a lot longer than that, which is an important lesson in walking by faith. God tells you to wait, but he doesn't give you the timeline of how long you got to wait. Just wait patiently on God's will, and I guarantee you God's timing is always perfect. So the day of Pentecost is 50 days after the offering of the first fruits. So they had to wait 10 days after the ascension of Jesus Christ. And then we know what happens on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes down in a powerful way. 3,000 people were added to the church. And that is not when the church began, but that is when the rapid expansion of the kingdom of God began, right? Ministers have said, and I think it's a good analogy, that the ship was in the harbor. The ship was prepared with 120 folks. And when the wind, the Holy Spirit hit those sails, that's when the ship of Zion began its journey that will continue until his second coming. And I believe that's true. That's when everything was prepped and prepared. The church was already there, but the church began its movement of of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in the kingdom of God at the day of Pentecost. So that's the New Testament application, but let's back up to the Old Testament command of the Feast of Weeks, okay? So again, 50 days from the offering of the Feast of First Fruits, you wait seven weeks. That's why it's called the Feast of Weeks, right? Pentecost means 50, 50 days, but you wait seven weeks. The Feast of Weeks. And then when that day came, you would make a meat offering unto the Lord to wave loaves of fine flour baked with leaven. Now, this is one of the most important and, and unique aspects of the day of Pentecost is they were commanded to use leaven, which this is the only place in the Old Testament they were commanded to use leaven. We'll come back to that in just a minute. So, They offered two wave loaves of fine flour baked with leaven. They would offer the bread with seven lambs, obviously without blemish, a bullock, two rams for a burnt offering, a meat offering, a drink offering. They would uh, sacrifice one kid of the goats for a sin offering, two lambs of the first year for a peace offering, wave them as the bread of the first fruits with the two lambs. It was a holy convocation, right? No work to be done. So the most distinguishing aspect of the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost, is that God commanded them to offer leavened bread. And, you know, this is obviously in direct contrast to what happened about 50 days before, right, where you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And obviously we 
observe that still in the Lord's Supper today. We use unleavened bread. And this is the only place in the Old Testament law where God says to use leavened bread because we find out in the New Testament that leaven is always the picture of sin, right? So why would God, why would God be commanding leaven to be used on the day of Pentecost, on the Feast of Weeks? Well, obviously it is absolutely clear what this feast is pointing to, right? Because on the day of Pentecost, was when the church began its momentum and the power of the Holy Spirit came down and cloven tongues of fire and they spake in tongues that they didn't know and people received that message in languages, in their own individual languages. Those men were pricked in the heart. They told them to repent and be baptized and 3,000 souls were added to the church. Praise God, right? Praise God for the day of Pentecost. So obviously the day of Pentecost is pointing toward the church. It's pointing toward the church age, and when we think about that, when we think about the day of Pentecost pointing toward the church age, boy, that makes a lot of sense that God said for leavened bread to be used, right? Because I'll tell you, us in the church, the best of men are only men at best. I'll tell you, we are so leavened in the church and we want to be do our best to purge pervasive leaven of sin from our personal lives. And certainly we need to protect the integrity of the church. But, but at the end of the day, we're sinners. All of us are sinners. We're broken vessels in this church. And it's no surprise that Jesus describes this in Matthew chapter 13, where he's talking about the kingdom of heaven and the expansion of the church and the expansion of the kingdom of God. He spoke a parable unto them in Matthew 13 and verse 33. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, unto which a woman took and hid in three measures of milk till the whole was leaven. Now in this aspect, leaven expands, right? Leaven expands. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. We see the leaven of the kingdom of God expanding throughout literally the whole world. But the kingdom of God was going to expand, right? The kingdom of God was going to expand like leaven. But boy, that is such a picture of just how sinful we are in the church kingdom, right? We are we're all leavened bread, and we just are so thankful that God receives our leavened bread through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and views us as those that leaven and that sin paid for through the blood of the Lamb. So the Feast of Weeks, the day of Pentecost, is clearly pointing toward the church, right? It's pointing toward the church age. But this church today, just as the church in the first century was, is leavened with sinners. Our, all of our individual churches are leavened with sinners. And we just pray that God would bless us to have clarity, to purge out our own personal leaven, and we don't want to allow that wickedness to persist in our own lives or in the body of the church. But praise God that our leavenness, <laughs> our sinfulness, has been made acceptable by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. And also, just by way of closing, don't ever forget that the Holy Spirit is just as powerful today as it was on the day of Pentecost. Now, I personally believe that we're in the falling away period of Christianity, and that falling away will only accelerate as we get closer to the Lord's second coming. But despite even the broader sense of Christianity being in a sense of falling away, don't you ever forget that the power of the Holy Spirit has not diminished one iota, not diminished one little bit from the power that was exhibited on the day of Pentecost for 3,000 people 
people to be added to the church. And we pray, we pray. I'm sad to say that the kingdom of God has not been leavening. It has been detracting, right? We pray that the Holy Spirit will bless the kingdom of God to once again leaven this world, that the kingdom of God would expand and grow and thrive and people would be added to the church daily such as should be saved. We pray that the expansive nature of the kingdom of God, that we would see that once again before the Lord's second coming, even during this time of darkness and falling away in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So praise God for the Feast of First Fruits that's pointing toward the resurrection of Jesus Christ and while we have a hope of the resurrection. And praise God for the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Pentecost that has given us the power of the Holy Spirit and the church age for us to enjoy the blessings as the earnest of our inheritance until that final Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles that's pointing toward the second coming of the Lord, and we'll consider that next time, Lord willing. We pray the Lord will richly bless you in service to the Lord on this Lord's Day. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonder.